Well, it has been a little bit since our last episode, and life has seemed to get busy for some of the rats, but today, we've got some new cast members ready to take on a new adventure. We'll be playing Call of the Scion, which will be a spacefaring adventure in twists, plots, betrayal, and fear. We really appreciate you listening, so please sit back and enjoy episode one of Call of the Scion. So, thank you both for for having fun here. We're going to be playing a new role-playing game that I made up just before this. Uh, We're calling it Call of the Scion. And in this game, we're going to be floundering around outer space in the universe with all sorts of bad things that kind of go on. Uh, But we'll be starting with our our wonderful two characters here, uh, who will find out the universe and what's going on in it and all of that fun stuff. So why don't we do some character introductions here real quick and go from there and then we can start start our adventure in in space. So Aiden, why don't you go go first and just give a quick background of who your character is and what they're doing. Hi, I'm Aiden Monroe. Um, I'm a respected and skilled mechanic at the bustling orbital dock, uh, Hub 9. Uh, I have a workshop in the depths of the dock, and I am a beacon of reliability. I'm a pivotal link in the vast network, serving as a major transfer point for cargo, shuttles, and spaceship. The cor- corporate executives saw me as an exemplary employee and ensuring the smooth operation of the orbital hub, and has no issues when I requested a transfer off-world to seek out new adventures. Very nice. I like it. I like it. And then we have Dante. My character is Dante Dumont. Uh, up until maybe a few weeks ago, I was a D-class prisoner that's sentenced for death due to uh, bioterrorist activities. Uh, the charges are all false. Uh, the bodies uh, were never identified, so they could not possibly pin that on me. The court was rigged. Uh, outside of bioterrorism, I'm a known smuggler, uh, taking various objects and utilizable goods off-world and out to the outer worlds. Uh, some of them legal, even. Uh, so the corpse definitely have a firm grasp on me at the moment. Uh, one of them in particular has gotten me out of jail and... Uh, is utilizing my profession for their own nefarious ends. Nice. And you, you kind of don't go around telling everybody you're a bioterrorist, though. Uh, I am. I, I have enough scientific know-how to at least hold a conversation with someone who has a real doctorate. Uh, so uh, I have enough biology background to kill people with. <laughs> Just enough to be dangerous. I, I love that saying. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. So with that, uh, the start of the adventure here, we kind of, you two have been, have been, uh, employed by Novman Dynamics and, uh, pressed into service as salvage operators, basically. Uh, you're being sent into some, eh, you know, interesting places. Hey, we've, we've got some stuff going on, uh, and we're, we're sending you in there. And so we kind of see a ship 
And it's it's one of these really dumpy kind of looking ships. It's not got any fancy stuff on it. It's made to look like, you know, almost uh, a delivery truck type of thing. Very blocky. It's in outer space. It doesn't have to be any type of, you know, aerodynamics on it. It's just made to go somewhere, pick up some stuff, and head back. Uh, On the outside of it... um, we see that it's ID'd as the Lan Dudno. And being sent out specifically, again, for salvage. You two have been pressed into that. Uh, we go inside and we find your two characters uh, sitting there, kind of at, in front of, albeit a very bad type of screen. So if you think of the old CRT monitors way back in the day, you have that kind of pixelated look to it. It's, you know, contrast is terrible. Kind of more, it's not made to be very colorful. You might get a little bit here and there, but it's also got that kind of lens flary rainbow stuff around things. And there's a, an older lady on the screen. Sitting around there, we have, of course, Aiden, and we have Dante sitting there. We also have another character. And this character is... A lady of medium height, black hair, brown eyes, and a small scar is visible on her left hand. Uh, And this is uh, someone that's been sent with you to help with the salvage and kind of act as a liaison for the company. So she's specifically also employed by Novman Dynamics uh, and will be there with you just to kind of answer the questions as you're going and can help with the, should we bring this back or not? Or tell you, yes, you need to, you need to bring this back. Uh, The lady on the screen, uh, you know her as a Mary and she has been your specific handler uh, as you've been employed here. She's looks to be in her fifties. Uh, graying hair tied into a bun, and she looks bored as she's talking to you. All right, gentlemen, what uh, what we've got here is Noveman Dynamics has acquired rights to salvage of a small science station, is ultimately what we've been told there. So we're expecting that we're going to have some, you know, probably some documents, Likely maybe some samples that we can pull out of there uh, and that type of stuff. And the ID of this station is Eris. So on Eris Station, uh, what we need you to do is, of course, as we've talked, go in there. Anything that can be salvaged that we need to take out of there, we'd like you to get back onto the Landudno and bring it back to us. Uh, again, I'd like to remind you specifically, you are under contract. This is a binding contract. Any deviation from this uh, will result in non-payment and possibly restitution to Novman Dynamics for anything that you may have caused in damages, uh, including to the Ladano, uh, also other personnel, uh, if anything were to happen to them. So you need to be make sure that you are careful, but make sure that you also bring back stuff specifically. Are there any questions that you have on on what's going on here? Um, I don't have a good idea. How much cargo can we can we uh, transfer in here? Uh, the Lidano is a medium sized ship uh, and can typically bring back a fair amount of loot or uh, salvage. Salvage. If you would like to say that. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
So it's got a decent sized cargo hold. Think like, you know, it's not going to bring back large ships or anything like that or fit space stations in it, that type of stuff. But if, you know, roughly you were to bring a few trucks, it can fit a few different trucks in there. Like you think a garbage truck or something like that on some of the, some of the other planets, you'd be able to fit a couple of those in there. Um, it's made to bring, you know, transport some fairly large stuff. You know, the old, uh, the old earth, uh, ship containers, you know, you could probably fit four or five in there type of idea. All right. On the down low, what do we know about this third person on the ship with us? Uh, Pill, Pill Holtz, uh, specifically, as you know, is has been put in charge of answering the questions on what needs to be brought back. Um, she's she is a corporate uh, employee, has been for a very long time. As far you know, general conversation, she's a very calm person. Uh, has not been very excitable with anything answers questions directly and uh that's primarily what her job is and she t- seems to be taking it very seriously based off my secret background is there any shady shit the corporations do that i know about that could explain the scar on her hand like an implant type of thing there's a lot of stuff that could be there um why don't you give me a, a medical role and see if you can See what's going on there. I would love to. Uh, I have rolled a 12. A 12. Starting off okay. good. Yep. So you're looking at it. Um, you're not not exactly sure what, what would have caused that. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be an implant. It could be she just cut her hand at some point in time fairly, fairly majorly to cause that level of scar. But, eh, just a scar on the hand. Gotcha. So Mary is like, okay, well, if there's no other questions, thank you very much. Please get on the station and uh, make sure you get it in there. Get it out. No damages. Get your stuff. You know, if anything, refer to your contract that is signed. Uh, make sure that you go over it. Don't break it. Thank you very much. And the screen goes blank. Flashes the little end of transmission on the screen. And uh, you both know that you're getting close to... Uh, Eris Station. As you get closer, uh, you start being able to get a kind of visual read on it uh, through the the monitor. And turning that on, you do notice immediately that Eris Station is less of a station. And what's being ID'd is just a meteor going around a planet, including a bunch of others in the area. Uh, Luckily, in this area, it looks like that a lot of the, you know, Space debris and stuff flying around in all the rocks is very slow moving. So there's not anything that's sitting there flying around that it looks like you need to worry about. Telemetry from the computers are telling you, hey, nothing's moving fast enough that you really need to worry about it. So you're kind of you're kind of good on that part. Uh, I always sort of have in the back of my mind uh, an escape plan. And just to get this straight, they're orbiting... Uh, a moon or a planet? A planet. A planet. And does the planet look habitable? It does not. It looks like it looks like a dead frozen planet. Perfect. Uh, so no bailing. If if we got a bail, don't bail that way. Probably not the best idea. Um as it doesn't look like it's going to have anything that's really salvageable, nothing no biological type of uh material to forage for food or and shelter is unlikely to be anything worthwhile down there. You all start uh, piloting the ship in, uh, kind of slow. As you're piloting it in, 
you do hear every now and then uh, that ringing thunk of something hitting the exterior of the Ludando. Uh, small small rocks are kind of bouncing off the exterior. Uh, the one thing you do know about the Ludando, too, as you guys are coming in, um, this is a bare-bones ship, uh, including internally, you're seeing the ribbing of the ship in a lot of places. Your uh, crew quarters are Spartan at best, uh, and the hold is about the only thing in this that's made to be, looks like, decent. Um, so it's got the normal tie-downs, all the spots to do that, it's got a nice setup, it's got all the uh, materials that you're going to need, chains, all that type of stuff to, to lock stuff down. But other than that, this ship is made about as Spartan as it possibly can. So coming in to Eris Station, uh, it is a, basically a large rock as you're, and as you're looking at it, you kind of see that, um, it looks 99% like coming up on any other asteroid, uh, or anything like that. Any other large rock in space kind of slowly turning uh, and going through that. And the only thing that's off on it, um, which also is a little odd, is there's a, a small recessed pit, in essence, on this asteroid. And as you're getting a visual on it, as that kind of rotates into into view, you can see a small access port that's recessed in that hole. Now, the one thing you know is your docking setup doesn't work with recessed docking spots. So you're not going to be able to dock the ship to the station right away. Hmm. I mean, we have no small uh, transports that would get down in there either in, in, in the ship's hold or anything like that? Uh, you do, in the ship, you definitely have small little uh, devices that you can attach to things, kind of move them around in space. Uh, because like that, you're you're on a salvage mission, so you can like little you grab it. It has little you know air jets type of idea on it that you can recharge back on on the Ladondo and be able to do that type of stuff. So so ferrying it back and forth, you definitely have the materials to to do that. Well, let's get to rigging that stuff up then, I guess. All right, you all kind of go back into the uh, hold of the ship, kind of get your stuff set up. Uh, as always, here on the ship, there is a um, chamber where you can go in, suck the air out, and be able to get out of the ship so you're not opening the ship directly to uh, outer space. So you kind of get your materials in there, get a couple of these uh, ferry devices set up. Um, you guys start putting on your your PPE, your space suits. What, are the, what does your helmets look like on those? Is it like the bubbles that you see on some of them? Is it more, you know, being able to look forward? What what kind of setup do you have for your your suit? Definitely when you're moving shit around in space. Like, it weighs nothing, but the mass still carries uh, a lot of force. So when you got big bubbles, like you're something's going to, you're going to lift something, it's going to bounce off the ceiling, come back down, crack your bubble instantly. Uh, all those people are dead already. So th- when you're moving shit, you want like solid, solid, and then the viewport, uh, less stuff to break. Nice. Uh, I-, I like the. Um, I-, I have cameras on the outside, so I'm looking at a screen on the inside of mine. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, pills. Pills is uh, 
fairly set up more like uh like you were talking about uh Dante is kind of this more armored type of thing that's a little more sleek um you can tell she's a little more important to the company than you guys are um and is set up where it it might be able to take a little bit more of an impact than you guys kind of set up like a helmet she's got two circular uh eyelets that she can look out and kind of set up that way so you all open up the airlock uh, and kind of go out in space and start moving your way down to Aeris Station. Um, around you, uh, you can definitely tell while slow moving, there are random rocks, some of the size of a, you know, nothing the big as big as your spa- as your ship, uh, but there are definitely uh, stuff moving around here. Uh, and so it's taking a little bit of being careful to make sure that you're not smacked off course by one of these. Getting down to the port for the station, uh, you can kind of see that this is set up round, circular. Uh, It's a decent size. Um, We're talking a port of probably, you know, seven feet in diameter. It's set up circularly. Uh, There's a small, what you're guessing is uh, reinforced glass, uh, probably bulletproof, the normal type of stuff that you'd have uh, to, to do this. And it is set up as an airlock, so kind of looking through, you can definitely see that uh, you have about, you know, 10, 12 feet of an internal tube, and then another uh, door set up in there. Uh, What you're noticing, though, is as you get there, this door doesn't just open for you. And with a little bit of fiddling, it's like, press the button, it doesn't open. I mean, I can get the door open, but it's going to stay open forever. I'll try to... To, to pull up on the panel and see if I can, uh, the, is there any power, any power at all? Just quick diagnostic. Uh, quick diagnostic. Uh, go ahead and give me a roll for that. And this one's going to be, uh, probably a trivial roll for you. All right. Um, <laughs> got the wrong connector. Um, double ones, which is, I believe a critical failure. <laughs> I got the wrong connector. It doesn't, doesn't even plug into the damn thing. Um, so we're going to have to resort to some tools instead, uh, try to pry it off. Uh, yep. So as, as you're kind of pulling the panel off and kind of looking at what's going on here, uh, so as, uh, for Call of the Scion, the way it works is we're rolling percentile dice and you have a typical target number that's either going to be trivial, easy, hard, or impossible. And those represent 30, 50, 70, and 90%. And you need to get over that. If it's something your profession can do, you get your profession bonus. Uh, and doubles mean that it's either critical success or critical failure. So below the number with a double one, that's a critical failure. So as you're pulling this panel off and you're like, okay, is there power here? Uh, the door completely shorts out. Uh, and you can see that you let out the magic smoke that is in there. The wires that you were kind of, you know, pulled the panel off and you're looking at it, about half of them just, whoosh, you can see that the metal superheated, something touched something in there, and the panel, which looked like it had it, uh, you were guessing, the door looked like it had some power, so you were guessing that it uh, either is powered from the station or had an internal uh, battery, which a lot of these things have to make sure that the door is opening even if the station doesn't have power. Otherwise, it ain't ever opening. But you're pretty sure at this point in time that door is, from where it's standing right now, dead. That's fine. 
We're fine. Just if the electrical isn't working, got mechanical, we're just going to have to manually uh, crank it open. Wow. And, and space pirates have never figured that out, you know. We leave the main access outside door just crankable so that any dude could get in. Guaranteed. So as you're as you're looking around on this door, uh, starting to take a look at at what's going on with it, uh, seeing that it is in fact dead, you do notice that there is a small port on there which still has a light. However, you've you've not seen a door with a port doing this type of thing before. It just seems seems odd. Okay, uh, the light's got power. Can I uh, Jimmy the light had to power the motor in the door to open it? You can hook up your cyber deck to it if you would like. Uh, I've already got the wrong connector, so um, no, that was for the door. Oh, okay. the The light has a cyber deck connector on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's see if anything comes with this this particular light. Okay. You plug your cyber deck in uh, and start fiddling with a little bit of the information that starts flowing over. The first thing you see is it does something to your cyber deck, which is a little odd. Normally, you're the one to make something. The cyber deck talks to something and, and generally makes that do something. The opposite happens with this. This thing makes your cyber deck start displaying stuff. A logo pops up of a little star shooting across the sky. Uh, and Aeris Station is on the screen and pops up a menu of things that you can do. Related to the door, open, close, uh, authenticate yourself, that type of stuff that's that's sitting there. So as you start fiddling around with the the menu here, uh, just feels feels odd to begin with. You've never had this happen where, where you plugged something in and it did something to your cyber deck. Yeah, um, new technology. Let's let's just. Uh... What, what are the credentials to open the door that are required? Do we have them? So you click on, you click on authorize on your, on your deck and there's just a single prompt. Uh, and it just says, comes up and says, ID yourself in essence. I mean, it's like ID colon, right? Um, was this station originally owned by our same corporation or, or, or not? Uh, what they said is they, they got salvage rights to it. So highly unlikely. Just type admin. No, no. The pa- it's asking for the password. So the password, the most common password is God. So let's just try typing God. Okay. Uh, you type in God. Uh, normal capitalization, right? We got we to gotta get this in there. Uh, and right below that, you hear the... Um, actually, you don't hear anything. You guys are in outer space. But in your head, right? You, you've had your cyber deck. And whenever it's putting a character on the screen, it's got this kind of oldy type of tactile sound when it's putting characters on the screen. And then you just, you hear it in your head. And you hear tick, 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 in your head. And a couple dots go across the bottom. And it says, uh, ID successful. And you can see the door start opening. However, as you look up, uh, when the door starts doing it, uh, you notice like that, you've got you know, roughly 12 feet of tube, and on the other side you have another door. You see something go by the window on the other side of the tube. And the door, you can see, you know, the motors in it and stuff like that start rotating. Now, 
as it's doing this, uh, you can see that uh, from the outside, the latches on the door are the first thing to come off. So it's almost like a bank fault, right? It's got some uh, rods that kind of go seal it up, hold it in place, make sure that any impacts, things like that aren't going to do anything. Those retract and it starts rolling to the side and it gets about six inches and that panel that you pulled off just starts having sparks come out of it all over the place. Uh, and you're pretty sure that if there was any oxygen around that, it would have lit on fire for sure. And you would have an electrical fire on your hands. But luckily there isn't anything going on with that. Uh, with the door partially open though, you're able to start rolling it and kind of push it by hand. Uh, but at this point in time, you're pretty sure that you're going to need to seal it back up. Uh, luckily on the inside, uh, like we were talking about space pirates and getting in the door, on the inside there is typically a crank to be able to to get that closed. But it's also going to mean that you guys ain't getting out of this place quickly uh, if you need to. So getting into the airlock, you guys roll the door back into place and start cranking it down uh, and doing that. And the first thing you notice is once you're inside, definitely that door was powered by itself, right? There's a battery in there that was keeping that door. The station, as far as you can tell, is dead. So getting into the airlock, you guys go through the same process on the door on the other side. Um, you know, a quick look in, you kind of see a cargo bay inside looking through the window. And you don't see necessarily much else moving in there uh, other than you know, some boxes and things like that, uh, that weren't strapped down. It looks like, uh, artificial gravity, uh, is not working here. So you guys are kind of floating in just like you're in, you're in space. Uh, and a short while later, you get this door open and kind of go into a cargo area. If the station doesn't currently have grav or air, mm -hmm. is there any reason to close both of these airlock doors? You don't need to. That's a much quicker exit. And much easier to move, like, mainframes and stuff back and forth to the ship. Yeah, there's no no reason to... Uh, it wouldn't make sense to close the door unless they actually had something. I mean, we could always look around for some way to, to initiate power. Um, But I agree, and, leaving the door open is the... Yeah, and getting gravity up is just going to make it harder to move everything. Mm-hmm. And there's also something weird moving around in there that, uh... I mean, if there's no gravity, it could have been a clipboard, it could have been a number one best dad mug, like, it could have been anything. Okay. So you guys get the other door open. I like that, uh, noticing that there's nothing there. External door is open to space. You guys open up the, the second airlock door. Um, and ultimately that one, you know, you kind of, this one's got a little less security on it. You press the button. The internal battery for the door allows it to open up, and you're looking into a cargo bay area. And in here, like that, you've got some boxes of stuff, like that salvage person. Oh man, this is a great spot. As you start moving into the, the dock, though, you can tell things aren't quite right. Floating through the air, and you can tell that these this is might have been what you saw going through our bodies. They are blue. They have little uh, ice crystals coming off of them where uh, internal fluids froze. They're not wearing any type of protection. They're wearing what looks like just general uniforms for 
for workers in a, you know, space station type of idea. And there's about five of them just floating around in here, vacant-eyed. They are frozen into various positions. One of them looks like it was in a fetal position uh, when it froze. And one kind of has arms outstretched like they were trying to grab onto something or do something. And at this point, uh, something's something's off here. Uh, this doesn't typically happen, as you know, working in space, uh, where you would either have to have something bad happened, where you have rapid decompression and things like that for these bodies to freeze, uh, and you're walking in, and as far as you know, the only entrance you came in was the one you just came in, which was sealed tightly. And there's no atmosphere in here. Why don't you guys give me a fear check? So in Call of the Scion, we have uh, a fear that you can have. And so it's on a rating from 0 to 100. And uh, when you take a fear check, something's going on that's not quite right. And if you roll above your current fear, you kind of have some way to decide that this is okay. And you can think through that. Go rolling below it, though, and uh, you start having some mental problems and and uh, going on with your character. Uh, and so whenever a fear check is called, you'll end up either adding a decent amount of fear onto your character if you fail it, or less than that, sometimes zero or sometimes more, when you when you succeed. And your characters have started off at zero, so your rolls are, of course, going to be above the fear that you've got currently. But with this, walking in, something's something's not right. Of course, you know, slow leaks or something like that, or, or possibly uh, they may have died from other causes and then froze. So you're pretty sure, okay, something else is going on here. Everything's fine. Everything's fine here. Uh, but you guys can take to fear and add that to your character. So our current fear level is 0-2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I mean, I expect that if they had a sudden vent of the air, they would have died, and I have no reason to believe that we're in our suits that we're going to have a sudden lack of air in the station. It would make me not want to take off my suit in this particular station, even if they, they could equalize pressure. Maybe that's not such a good thing. Are they on the manifest of what we have to bring back? Uh, you look at Pill, I'm assuming, and, and ask her. Sure. Uh, Pill says, bringing back one of them, I think, would be a good idea. We can we can put them in a, one of the special pods uh, back on the ship, keep them in kind of a frozen state. Uh, that way we can see if there's whatever reason they, they kind of ended up deceased and see if there's anything there that was a cause of that. Uh, but I think... Like that, let's take a look through uh, what's kind of going on in here and see if there's any salvage that we want to we wanna take. Um, and she looks at one of you and says, uh, you know, looking around, she notices that there's, you know, a terminal that's on the wall and says, I think we might end up needing to try and get power back to this station uh, because there is uh, terminals here and some of the information that could be stored uh, on the station might be beneficial. It's also probably easier to get the, the the cargo doors open if there's power to the station too. Yep. All right, I'll start taking a look into it. <sighs> so starting to search around, 
you notice that in this room, um, the boxes and stuff like that, as you're going through, primarily look like mainly general supplies for a station like this. You're kind of looking through, you're finding, you know, microscope slides, you're finding kind of general materials, you're finding some small bits of chemicals here and there, Um, what looks like, uh, you know, stuff that you'd find, like if you have coolers and stuff like that, you're finding um, some typical type of, you know, refrigerants, that type of stuff that would be to keep specimens. As you heard, this is kind of a scientific uh, station, is what they mentioned to you. Um, you're finding boxes of food, uh, that looks like it's been frozen and may or may not be good. Uh, some of them would be, you know, pre-frozen. So some of those might still be good, uh, as you've got like MREs or that type of thing, um, floating around, uh, to do that. Uh, what are you guys doing? You know, unsecured stuff is kind of these bodies floating around. What are you doing with those? Not on the manifest. Space them. Nothing at the moment. I mean, they're they're floating around. They're not hurting anything. They're not. I, I'm I'm all for returning the uh, deceased to their loved ones. I mean, there might be some money involved in that, but I don't know these people. I don't know, they could have been dead for fifty years. They could have been dead two hundred. How? I don't know. They belong to Rival Corp. Screw them. We'll, we'll <laughs> utilitarian. We'll keep the the fetal position one because he takes up less space in the cargo hold, but. <laughs> The others can can join the rocks outside. Let's get the doors open first. I'm not going. I'm not. No, you can just push them out through the, the main door. Yep. The main door is the only one that you know goes into this space station. The one you just came in is is it? When what you were mean? coming in, the rock <sighs> itself only had one imperfection in it, which was the access port you just came through. How they get the cargo? The the, car, the cargo containers fit through that hole. Seven yep. feet. Oh. Yep. Everything in here looks like it fit through that door. Um, and about seven feet, you know, mechanical stuff. Like, if you were to design anything to go through that seven-foot, you know, circular opening, uh, you could part it out and then put it together once you get inside if you needed something bigger. All right. Uh, let's get to work getting power up. Um, you guys can start going through the containers and moving them if you want. I'll see if I can get power up. Okay. So you guys kind of spend your time looking through... You're definitely noticing as you're looking for power, this this is not the area that has it. Um, typically, uh, you know, sometimes you've got power coming from various areas in the station, depending on how they designed it and things like that. Um, this one looks like power. the power generation is going to come from somewhere further into, into the station. So as you guys uh, kind of get a couple things together, you know, Pill is telling you, okay, you know, a box of microscopes. Eh, might be worth it. Let's stage those. Uh, a couple of the other things, food and things like that. She's like, I don't, we don't care about that. That's whatever. Uh, so she's like, all right, I think it's time to move into the station a little more. So going in, uh, as you're looking around too, you can tell that this, this station, uh, when it was set up, definitely had some type of money in some form or fashion, right? It's not, like when you look, when you think of the Lodondo is like the bare minimum to get the job done. This looks like it was specifically made to not only be comfortable, but be uh, set up where it was going to be a lasting station. Um, you can start telling that, like it, like I said, 
the batteries on the door. Any other door that you guys are finding so far uh, also look like they have internal batteries, which a lot of the time uh, internal uh, sections, depending on the station, might not. Uh, A lot of the times with being in space, of course, you have emergency type of stuff, so doors will shut, that type of thing. Uh, But depending on what's going on, if you lose power and there's some emergency, you aren't getting sectioned <laughs> in the in whatever you're in. This one was made where if something happens, any of these doors look like they can shut, uh, whether there's power or not. Uh, the walls are this glorious white color uh, and set up where uh, lighting, if there was lighting, uh, would keep this place looking wonderful. You'd be able to see where you're going, no problems like that. As it is, the lights on your helmets are what you're kind of using to go through this station. Uh, You start going down, you know, there's a hallway coming off of the cargo bay, and eventually it kind of splits, and looking around, you pick one way. There's no specific signage that's going on uh, that you can see here for, for the station. And so picking one way, you end up in a, in a room. Uh, this room is, needless to say, looks like something important, uh, is what you see. You have a lot of cables running here and there. You have a lot of stuff going on. You have full terminals, a terminal section on one side of the room that looks like it would be set up to do uh, monitoring. It almost looks like with the amount of stuff here that it would monitor the station. Uh, But once you're kind of looking to the other side of the room, you're pretty sure that it might not be just for that. You see some large device. uh, And on one part of that, there are huge canisters that are marked for refrigerant. So some of the refrigerant you saw probably went in here. And it's a very large mechanical device as well. It looks like this thing could move around if it needed to, or at least rotate. Uh, And one thing you see is that there looks to be kind of little, oh, what do you call them? Little pods. Front part of the pod is translucent. You can see through it. It looks a little little frozen, however. Uh, And one thing you notice is that in one of the pods... Uh, The rest of them are empty, but in one of the pods, you see somebody in that pod. Now, even in even in this point in uh, science, cryogenic freezing is not something that's really worked. You know, you have faster than light travel, but you're sitting there in in your spaceship, just kind of hanging out while the ship is going faster than light. Which sometimes, like that, this trip took you a week to get here. So you're just sitting on the on the ship, waiting for a week while you're just hurtling through space uh, faster than light. But there's not cryopods. But here there is. As you come into the room as well, you notice that there is a a spacesuit kind of in in the room, kind of leaned up against this big machine. As you walk into the room, though. You can see through... This one has like one of those bubble type of, of uh, helmets. Uh, which are also really great for being able to look around in that type of stuff. And there's a skeleton in there. 
It looks like this has been here for a little bit. That must have had enough something going on where it could rot away or whatever, or has its own atmosphere in there. And it starts moving. It leans forward, and the internal skeleton leans forward as it is as well to stare at you through vacant eyes and starts moving to get up. Its jaw opens up like it's yelling as it's standing up. The only thing that happens, though, is as it's standing up, it presses on something, and things start lighting up. Go ahead and give me a fear roll. It's internal gases built up inside the suit. You can't decompose without getting gases, and the gases can expand and contract in the cold, uh, causing what looks like... Uh, I've rolled a 78. I've rolled a 15. 15, which is still higher than than 2. So that's good. But that's good. a disadvantage since this is a... Uh, like, this, this, is, this is a little bit freaky. I don't know if it's like a critical failure, but like, what the hell? Yeah, a 22 is still above the the 2, and so rolling a 22 above your number is considered a critical sex success. So your character is absolutely 100% convinced that there's nothing wrong here. There's nothing to fear here. What's your character think about that? I guess it's just normal for skeletons to be hitting buttons. <laughs> You're just like, ah, you know, whatever. Stuff Stuff happens. It's fine. I mean, this is honestly my first corpse from space, um, in a spacesuit, so... First time, huh? <laughs> awesome. So as you guys are standing there, uh, things are coming to life. Uh, the terminals start lighting up, the, the machine on the other side is doing something, and this spacesuit, uh, being operated by the skeleton inside of it, is standing up, and you can tell that when it put its hand down, it hit something. Uh, there was like a button or something that it it pressed. And the machine is coming to life. The other thing that you notice is the door that you came through, and there's a door on the other side of the room, automatically do emergency procedure and lock shut. Uh, you start feeling uh, something buffeting your spacesuit, right? There's not there's no audio, you don't have atmosphere right now, but there's something buffeting your yours. Uh could be could be the rattle of the doors shutting. It could be this thing is filling with atmosphere. Uh the other thing you notice is that this giant machine I mentioned can kind of rotate, does in fact start rotating a little bit. The the pods that I was mentioning start moving across, and as you're looking around, you see looks like there might be spots that they'll fit into. This suit, though, this skeleton, starts moving towards you. However, this machine that it was leaning up against is not its best friend. And it just shears the suit in half. Now, the external door that you saw that was sparking around, you're like, man, that would be an electrical fire. Uh... The spacesuit itself has an internal battery as well, and that gets sheared in half with this. And like I mentioned, you're like, man, I'm glad there's not an atmosphere outside because there would be an electrical fire. You guys are getting buffeted by something, and as this battery gets sheared in half and this machine is rotating, you can tell that you're going to have a problem. 
that battery is is starting to you can see the sparks and and stuff coming off of it but it's starting to flare up a little bit and you're pretty sure at that point that you're starting to get atmosphere in here and you're about to have a a decent sized battery fire next to a machine and pill sitting next to you is like okay uh we need this whatever this thing is very likely so uh can you make sure that it doesn't get damaged I want it on record that we didn't start that fire. Doesn't matter if it fire was started or not, your job is to get it back. That's part of your contract. Is the device still rotating? It is it is looking like it's gonna start locking into place in, you know, a little bit here, as far as you can tell. You're not sure, but it looks like it's you know, when you look at a machine and stuff like that, it's like, oh, there's stops and stuff like that, and a quick look is like, okay, it looks like it's moving towards something. Um with cables can uh is there any place that we can unplug the machine? Is that cables going to the wall? Uh this machine uh looks like it would have power, uh, but it doesn't look like it has external cables that are going out anywhere or onto the floor or anything like that. Uh it was kind of set up for uh being a part of this room, per se. Uh there definitely looks like there's access panels and things like that that you could you could do things with. Uh but the other thing you know is that the machine itself, uh, whether it's stopped or started, is not kind of where the fire is happening. Let's let's get the door open. I'll, I'll go and try to get the door open. You get the door. This isn't the first uh, environmental system I've sabotaged before, so I can turn off oxygen to a room real easy. Okay. So Aiden is heading over to the door to kind of get that open. And Dante, you're kind of, I would guess, heading over to the terminal, start doing something with that, or are you looking for... Closer to the vent. Uh, the terminal's okay. going to have security, the vents they assume no one's going to screw with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the ductwork up there is either uh, collapsible, or uh, if, if you rig something to smash into it, or it has a closure, much like uh, any bulkhead would. Okay. Uh so let's start with let's start with Aiden here. Going over to the door. You start messing with the door, and the first thing is this one this one has a terminal on it. And it has it has lit up and as you're looking at the terminal, it says pressurization in process. Please wait. Okay, well, uh let's go for more of the mechanics of the door and try to manual ma- manual override here. Okay. Uh Go ahead and give me a mechanics roll. However, this one's going to be at almost impossible. I've I've worked with these doors before. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you have not not these specific doors. The one thing you're noticing is you're you're starting to play with it. Is this door was made to be more of a security door than a safety door? Something that you'd see like on something that's pretty special on the other side. All right, I rolled an eighty-eight. <laughs> so is that is it as near impossible as that the ninety percent mark? It but is. I have a plus ten percent because of my uh, mechanic skill, do I not? You do. You do. Uh so if you rolled an eighty eight and you add in your profession bonus, uh which is ten percent, that would mean you rolled a ninety eight uh total. With an eighty eight on the dice though. So you do critically succeed. Uh so you are able to push the door open uh and 
as it as it rolls back, you you get that rolled back. So let's move over to to Dante. You see the primary vent where a lot of this atmosphere is coming in, right? Uh, a lot of the times it's oxygen plus you know various other things in there to to do that. Uh, sometimes it's just pure oxygen coming out of, of vents can happen too, but pretty sure that wouldn't be the case here. That would be bad. Mm-hmm. 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 So what are you, what are you doing with this vent? It, it looks like a, a vent, right? You've got a grate uh, over what looks to be some type of uh, uh, HVAC ducting type of stuff. Uh, an initial glance to see if there is a shutoff or if you pull off the grate there's a shutoff further up the tube uh, and if not they don't armor these things uh, and we still don't have gravity so I can slam a monitor or an entire mainframe up into it to uh, crumple it and at least severely restrict the flow of oxygen okay uh, so you start you start fiddling with this thing trying to either find, you know, uh, a way to shut it off or block it. Uh, so go ahead and give me a, give me a roll on that. Let's see what we roll. And do you, and do you think with your profession, you'd get, get the bonus on this one? Uh, if there is a shutoff, no. If I need to get a little frisky with it, yes. Okay. It looks like you're going to have to get a little frisky with it. Perfect. Uh, that's the only way this is going to work because I have rolled a forty-seven. Yep, forty-seven. Uh, so. You and with your bonus, you'd end up with a fifty-seven. Yep. Okay. Uh, that would do it. Uh, you can definitely uh, futz with this thing. It's going to be a combination of shutoff valve as well as kind of stopping airflow. So you kind of grab something from around you that's floating around uh, and start shoving that in there. The vent itself looks like it'll close. Uh, not perfectly securely. It looks like it's got an internal damper somewhere in there that that will fully shut it off, but you can at least stop most of it. Uh, Works for me. Okay. You guys get get uh, the flow of atmosphere stopped, uh, and it vents out a little bit into the hallway as well. Uh, the one thing, uh, as you're kind of floating around, Dante, you notice that the terminal is flashing warnings, and on the door, Aiden, the door is flashing warm warnings on the terminal there. Uh, those warnings are saying, have a countdown on it, and it starts at 30 seconds and says, emergency procedure uh, started, 30 seconds to initiation. Door has an emergency procedure other than just closing? It looks like it's something this room's going to do. Uh, as As you're looking at it, it starts putting statuses of what that emergency procedure are going to be. Perfect. Uh, and it starts listing. It says, doors shut, uh, emergency oxygen canisters fired, and kind of lists, okay, we're, it's going to start blowing some... Uh, the first. Well, the first thing it's going to do is doors shut. Second thing is suppression of uh, environmental problems, uh, which could be... Anything from fire suppression to biological suppression to you're not exactly sure what that line means. Uh, clear, clear environment, and then reapply environment. Forward. Uh, look at Pill. Tell her to evacuate the room. Would it be real helpful to get that door closed if we're on the other side there? Uh, Pill tells you uh, if this environmental 
stuff doesn't stop that battery from reigniting when there's environment in here, uh, that could still damage this system and we can't let that happen. So uh, you might want to grab that suit and get it out of there. The suit that got cut in half? Well, mm-hmm. the battery at the very least. We, I mean, we don't care about the suit, but uh, it's easier than grabbing a whole half of a battery and have it. Uh, I guess the next question is, how many doors did we pass between here and our open airlock that could also potentially close? Uh, you passed uh, four. It's going to take 15 seconds to float our way to one of those doors. That's a lot of doors we got to close before we get uh, atmospheric pressure here. Um, we well, you're pretty up. sure what you're seeing is that this room is going to be pressurized. Yeah. Not the station. Well, this room is not going to be pressurized. It's going to have to pressurize the entire station to the next door, at least, because we already have, we've already manually opened one of the doors. Well, and you can close that door again. Um, well, that door that door said it's going to close again. It's in emergency status and is is starting to work through the steps that's going to happen. It gave thirty seconds for anybody in here to do whatever they want to do before the emergency process kicks off. And the first uh, one is door. Thirty shut. seconds. I'm outside the door. See you guys later. Okay. Pill. <laughs> uh, I got dibs on the top half. You grab the bottom half. She goes. Okay. Uh, Aiden, we're going to have to have a chat about uh, about this. And she will float over and grab one half and push off and kind of float straight toward the opening that uh, Aiden went through. Uh, we definitely have to time that so we don't collide on our way out the door. But Yep. Okay. Uh, you both end up uh, floating through the door. Emergency process kicks off. Uh, you kind of stop in the hallway. The door behind you slams shut, and it it's a, if you're in the way of this door shutting, you will no longer be in the way of this door shutting uh, type of emergency procedure. It looks like it has the power to do what it needs to to shut and go through most things to do it. Uh, looking through the window, you can tell that it has some type of uh, suppression device, fire suppression, other things like that, and that fires off. Kind of fills the room with... Uh, White-looking smoke, either a mist, a smoke, not sure exactly what it is um, at the moment. Uh, And then shortly thereafter, uh, you can tell that scrubbers start working, start pulling air out. uh, And shortly thereafter, probably, you know, a minute later, uh, the room looks clean. You can see that uh, once you're looking through, based on the venting and stuff like that, you can tell there's little canisters in various places throughout the room that start filling it with atmosphere. Uh, kind of like single-use little devices that would have some chemicals in it that would, you know, light off, start filling the place with with atmosphere. Um, and shortly thereafter, the door, which has a nice ring of red on it, uh, eventually goes green. Now, as you're looking through the window into here, uh, the cryotubes that you were seeing in there lock in place as this is all going on as well. And you can tell that uh, the one that had the person in it, you can see from your perspective, is slowly the kind of frost that's on the glass, the seat, the transparent portion of it, starts melting. Uh, and clearer, clearer, clearer. And eventually, the thing pops up. And an older gentleman, probably in 
uh, again in his 60s, you're looking at. Kind of wispy graying hair. Doesn't look like it's very well kempt. A beard, uh, again, also doesn't look very kempt at all. Little bit uh, on the heavier set side. Dressed in kind of more like that. You When you came in here, the bodies that you saw uh, had a uh, kind of uniform on them. This looks to be more uh, important than that. Um, doesn't quite look like you'd see on like a, a military captain, uh, but looks like it's made to decent range of motion, well put together, uh, uh, that type of thing. Kind of has this light blue color to it. Uh, the gentleman sits up, kind of looks around, looks over at the window, and waves at you guys. Wave back. Was there a spare suit in there? There was. Oh, wait, there was this guy, the skeleton well, might have been wearing it, though. It might yeah. be damaged. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is, like, no conceivable way of getting a dude out of a small pressurized room in a large unpressurized station. But he's not on the manifest, so we don't got to recover him. Yep, and we will we will end it here <laughs> and pick it up pick it up next time. So thank you, thank you both. This was this was fun starting to get into thank it. You. This was I'm pretty excited. Me and yeah. uh, Mrs. Pill uh, are gonna have a conversation. Oh, Pill is Pill is definitely gonna have a conversation with you, and it's not gonna be about safety. <laughs> you got two demerits coming, and you don't want demerits. Oh. You, you demeriting is typically military type of thing, and this one it's not demerits. It's talking about how much you're going to get paid, and if you will get paid. So, awesome. Well, with that, we'll call it, and thank you much. Thank you. All right. Thanks.